right, hello everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this electrifying and invigorating and reanimated episode of the Geek Garage podcast, the most inclusive and accessible nerd culture audio program on the interwebs. I'm your host, David. Uh, <laughs> I'm your co-host, Frackamanda Eiler. Thank, and, uh, oh my, thank you for saving me. You're yeah, welcome. I'm, I'm you just want to restart this from the beginning? No, or? Okay, nope, cool. nope, we're already inside okay. it, so... Too Might much well. caffeine or not enough caffeine? Um, I think I'm like right in the dangerous sweet spot where it's it's no good for either. <laughs> I'm there too. Yes, exactly. Um, and that beautiful and amazing voice Hi. is the voice of Ashley. Uh, I'm back. Our resident just... historian. Yes. Um, thank you so much for being on, uh, Ashley, again. Um, Always. I'm glad that uh, we haven't scared you away. Oh, I'm glad that you're willing to have me back after you've heard how much I ramble. So, uh, I mean, it's only fair because both of us ramble. Like we we had a grab bag episode not too long ago where it's like, let's fill like 30 minutes of podcast time uh, for this week with just random nonsense. It ended up being like an hour and a half worth of we just make crap up, a whole bunch of crap up and tangent in. Yeah. Like, if anybody's listening and has never listened before, all this is is tangents. So, mm-hmm. good luck. I love it. I mean, that's literally why I'm here, quite frankly. And yes. it's what makes this the best podcast out there. Exactly. And speaking of you being here this time, I think I'm for the first time, I'm here this right? time. Yeah, you're physically here, whereas all the, the times before for Satanic Panic and The Boogeyman and... What else has it been? What was that um, last one? Uh, Satan- it, oh, the history of Halloween. That's right, history of Halloween. Um, the uh, the the holy triumvirate, uh, if you will, or the hat trick. They do all go together. In in a sense, I guess. Um, they're all you know spooky topics, um, and I guess we're staying on theme with the spookiness and with uh, the this month. I mean, it'll be coming out a little later than January. February probably, but uh, January is the anniversary for the publication, uh, the original publication of the original Frankenstein, the 1818 version, um, the OG, as it were, as the kids say. I do uh, refer to it as the OG in my yes. notes. Yeah. Um, well, and also the author died February 1st, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's I also think a celebration you, of that. Right. I think you brought that up how, like, when I said. Yeah, uh, by the time we record it all and edit it, it probably won't be released until February. And you're then you brought up that factoid, yes. and I was like, "Oh, perfect, cool, celebrate her death!" Yes, I. It's this is not a burn, baby, burn sort of situation. We're we're sad that she's gone, but like, but you're it's historian, so like, it was that's like your entire job is to ago, celebrate so. deaths of people. So kind I of. really do. We, yeah. we celebrate their deaths, and then we dig through their stuff to see what we want. Dig so. through the ditches and burn. <laughs> Dracula! Dracula! I mean, I, I'm not going to say there's a large number of historians who are listening to that song as they work, but it's a non-zero number. <laughs> so... <laughs> it may or may not have included you in the past, like, 48 hours. Maybe. 24 hours. <laughs> We can keep some things a secret. Okay, sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is going to definitely be a multi-parter. Uh, I think we're all gonna we're gonna record it all today uh, in in one session, but we're gonna split it up because 
it's There's, a lot who's got six hours hours of their life to listen to a podcast episode <laughs> right yeah uh this is not the joe rogan experience um where we just all get high <laughs> and talk about um things while you're high although it would be fun to do that and discuss mary shelley's frankenstein so good to know um so uh yeah we are uh i think ashley you're gonna kind of kick it off with oh, okay. basically her uh i mean i'm just still introducing shit but um <laughs> so you're gonna be covering her life um we kind of split this up into three parts with of course you doing the majority of the legwork because you you have a sick fascination with research um like I said, you are our resident historian. So <laughs> if I ever need to hire a, a professional like um, research assistant or yes. fact checker, you are... Call me. You will be the first person I call. I'm pretty much going to volunteer for it. You don't even have to pay me. So you're not hiring me. Uh, I can quit whenever I, mean, I want. That is, that's just an insult right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't even... Like, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, if you weren't very good, then okay. we could talk about the whole non-payment thing. But because you actually bring things to the table, yeah. Um, Research is my drug of choice. Well, that's weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're, uh, we're leaving it up to you to talk about her life, which I think is going to take up... A lot. The first episode. Yes, uh, for just, sure. Just yeah. say it. At least, at least an hour, maybe 90 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So definitely the first episode. And then assuming we do two parts, then it'll be me and Amanda slash frack, um, depending on whatever you call her in your own spare time. You just call me whatever you want. I it, don't is, care. it is interchangeable. But yeah, I'm just going to start making up names and see if people recognize us. <laughs> she literally will answer to anything. Pretty much. I'm, hey, you is generally what yeah. I answer to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be discussing uh, the facets surrounding the anonymous publishing of the book when it was published, because it was published anonymously uh, originally. Um, And then I'll dive into some themes and literary influences, uh, which is pretty interesting in and of itself. Um, Stuff about uh, the monstrous other, which I think is is part of the themes, uh, because my notes are dog shit. Um, and then um, the birth of science fiction. Um, so, nice. yeah, I'll round it out with a whole bunch of pop culture bullshit about Frankenstein yeah. and movies and the fun stuff, which and- is probably what most people want to hear. But hey, yeah, gotta eat your broccoli first before you have your <laughs> your pudding. Your I don't know. I've been- Am I the broccoli? Is that what we're saying here? I yes, love your broccoli, broccoli. <laughs> because you just but went you on this whole rant about. Oh, you're so time. amazing. I am the cheese sauce, <laughs> not the broccoli. The words I say are the broccoli. <laughs> so you have broccoli breath is what I'm hearing? I mean, honestly, yeah, a lot. This is why I always carry breath when breath mints. Oh, this me. is this this is the cause of this your Altoid fascination? Of, okay. I mean, I've got breath mints everywhere. <laughs> I almost said something else and it just took it in a whole different direction i'm just i'm gonna choose not to I'm gonna close go. that door okay. uh <laughs> anyways uh so i guess without further ado um we'll go ahead and kick this sucker off Woo. ashley all right why don't you hit us with some facts about miss mary insert middle name here shelly 
Yeah. Okay. I, that's So that's actually the first note that I'm going to go with. I'm probably not going to pronounce all of this correctly. Sure. And that's fine. These people are all British. I'm not. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. So yes. we are going to jump in. This is a... Not an incredibly deep dive into her life because there there are parts that I've left out just for the sake of the length, uh, but it's it's fairly comprehensive, I will say, about her life. Um, we're gonna look at a whole lot of details, and as I told Amanda, if you like reality shows, this is the one. If there are any Teen Mom fans out there, you're going to enjoy this portion. Yeah, uh, I we were saying before we push record that I I mean we didn't dive too deep into this, but as I was doing research over the last couple of days, and hearing uh, like about the anon, anon anonymous publishing and whatnot, I was mm-hmm. like, man, shit has just not changed a ton no. in the last two hundred years. This so, is my favorite part. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what I tell people all the time about history. You know, there's the saying, history repeats itself. And yes, sometimes it just very directly repeats itself. Sometimes it rhymes. And then sometimes it comes out of left field and it just slaps, slaps you right in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, bitch. Good old cock smack. Look at this. That is exactly life. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Life is just one big <laughs> cock smack after another. Deeply, deeply <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Deep. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Sorry. So many places I could take this, but I don't know that we want to go down those rabbit holes five minutes in. I think maybe we could save the the cock slapping for like 20 (laughs) minutes in. (laughs) Unless that's what you start with. And if that's your thing, like, go for it. I mean, honestly. So how everybody starts. No, you just you're freaky. Accurate. Yeah. All right. So again, I'm going to mispronounce things. It's fine. Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin Shelley. That's what we're working with. Oh, boy. Is that is that two or three middle names? One. <laughs> Hyphenated because they're British and that's what they do? No hyphen. Uh, no, I, I noticed the middle name was quite lengthy. Yes. Yeah. And so that's a traditional thing. And so I'll get into that. So first name Mary, middle name Wollstonecraft, maiden name Godwin, Married named Shelley. I see. Okay. Thank God she only married once. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. She was born in London in at late August 1797. Um, and because we are who we are, because I am who I am specifically, she was born about a year after Tennessee became the 16th state. Nice. Tennessee. But Represent. she was in London, so she literally that didn't give a She didn't know and or care. No. And she was also just born. She was so not she born. She really yeah. didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> Her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft. So that's Hence where the, the name comes name. from. So the tradition with British and old Southern families is that the mother's maiden name becomes the child's child's middle name. Okay. If that, so that's where the Wollstonecraft, 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 anyway, comes from. Do either of you remember reading Mary Wollstonecraft? No. I don't think so. No. She is one of... Okay. First of all, if you want to have a girl crush on anybody, it's Mary Wollstonecraft. She's only been dead for a couple of hundred years. It's totally fine. That's fine. fine. Necrophilia is still in school. We... Listen. 
we're gonna have to talk after this podcast <laughs> um <laughs> forgot to tell you this is half podcast half intervention <laughs> love that you're a freak it's just you don't need comments on it every time okay <laughs> no, i understand no, no, i'm joking i want you to comment all the time but i also would like to get through this okay no well we maybe need an intervention because <laughs> you are you are freaky i love it that's what she said the intervention is you have to intervene and help me to do what you do because i don't help me help i can you. make help you be me. freaky help me <laughs> i can get you freaky exactly all right mary wallstoncraft trying for 20 years right. keep going this is not a lie mary wallstoncraft was the feminist threat of the 18th century she is the author most everybody knows her as the author of a vindication of the rights of women and that's basically in every single level 100 intro to literature class you're ever going to take ever you have to read that basically it's it's part of that she was a feminist philosophist she was obviously a writer um i mean she did a ton of things but she was not widely popular um, because her big angle was that women are rational human beings and should be treated that way. Right. Which I can see that how not that a would popular stir up some dirt. Yeah, in the seventeen nineties. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's that's not happening. They basically told her to go fuck herself. Um, so I'm not going to do a huge bio on her mom because that's just a ridiculously easy Google search. Her dad also is a very easy Google search, but I feel like less people have heard of him. So I'm just going to call her Mary Shelley. Mary Shelley's dad is William Godwin, and he is the grandfather of anarchy. Of what? Anarchy. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like Like, literally. mm -hmm. Okay. Her dad was one of the first writers to inspire the political theory of anarchy <laughs> so you huh. know he he also was a writer he also was a political philosopher so obviously mother mary and daddy william had a lot to talk about they were both writers mm-hmm. they didn't really seem to talk a lot they had kids but um, <laughs> again very googleable so i'm not gonna go into any more than that but I also feel like I need to note here, I've been telling this story for like all of five minutes, we have multiple Marys. So the writer of Frankenstein will be Mary. Okay. Her mother, a vindication of the rights of women author, will be Mother Mary. Perfect. There's going to be some more Marys later in the story. Dear God. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) Was Mary just a very popular name in the... Yes. Cool. Um, But I also think William may have had a type. Mm. Because his second wife was also named Mary. Hmm. He's like Ron Swanson. Yes. <laughs> Tammy. Tammy one and Tammy two. There's My mother's name Mary was w- Tamara. <laughs> she goes by Tammy. So gross. <laughs> oh, I loved it though. <laughs> she was my blonde chicken. Ugh. So if you do decide to take a look into Mother Mary's life, it's amazing. She... She did so many things. I mean, she was born and raised in England, but she got really into the French Revolution. She just wanted to see what it was about. So she goes to France during their revolution just to see what's going on. Like, love it. 
you hear so many terrible things about the French Revolution. Yeah. People were dying and there were bread riots and all of this is happening. And Mother Mary is just like Ooh. kicking back with some popcorn. Like, yeah, stab that guy. Stab him. Yeah. She's like, she's like of that age, the the white girl that listens to the true crime podcast and is like, let me you go be part of the You can just say my name. Yeah. You can just. <laughs> just at just, you just next at time. Me next yeah. Time. Yeah. Dude. But yes, 100%. So while Mother Mary was in France during the revolution, first of all, Mother Mary, as you imagine being a feminist writer, didn't really give a shit about the social mores of the time. She fucked anybody she wanted to fuck. Excellent. She was just good with it. And so she did have a daughter named Fanny. Perfect. (laughs) Fanny comes up in the story so much. I'm just randomly going to be like, and then Fanny was over there in the corner. (laughs) So just know that ahead of time. The jokes are going to write themselves. Fanny's dad was an American diplomat. And Fanny was born in 1794. Then Mother Mary went and met William. They got married. Um, Well, they got married because Mother Mary got pregnant. So, you know, technically two two illegitimate children. Again, the, the 1700s, so it was super, super common. Everybody knew somebody who knew somebody who knew something about having a baby out of wedlock, but nobody admitted it. Mm. And in fact, when Mother Mary and William got married, because she was pregnant, that's when all of their friends found out that she had never been married to the American diplomat oh. that she told everybody that she was married to when the baby was born. Mm. So now she's married in her first time. For the first time, everybody realizes that Fanny is an illegitimate child. There's a lot of social blowback because of that. Um, it, it's all social climbing. Um, so, trigger warning. Tons of discussion of childbirth trauma and child death in Mary Shelley's story. Right. So if anybody has any sensitivity to that, probably maybe skip my whole episode because it's just going to pop up in random places here and there. Right. Yeah. But it is the uh, the 17, 18, and 1900s. And SIDS was the number one killer of everyone. Yeah, basically. I mean, and so again, you got to think germ theory was first really recognized in the 1850s. So prior to that, they had no idea that something like a bacteria could kill you. Mm -hmm. It was, they were still working with the humors, the four humors. So, you know, if you were a little bit sassy, you had too much bilious blood. If you, if you were depressive, you had too much black blood, you had to be bled. They were still working off that theory. You got ghosts in your blood. You should do cocaine about it. hundred percent. That is literally the, the leading medical theory of the day. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's all keep in mind that the American Medical Association said that it was unsafe for women to run fast or ride horses fast because it would literally turn them into boys until 1920. (laughs) Medicine is challenging, but um, the number one killer of women prior to germ theory is pregnancy related stuff Mm -hmm. and they had two terms childbed fever and i can never say this my fucking southern southern mouth can't say it (laughs) (laughs) 
Take your time. I look like a horse with peanut butter in my mouth. I'm like Mr. Ed moving my mouth over here and I can't say the word. Peripheral fever. Peripheral? Peripheral? No. It's pronounced P-Y-O-O-P-E-R-A-L. Oh, that's a toughie. Sure, we're going to go with whatever you just said then. I typically just... Just call it pee fever? <laughs> I just call it purple fever. Purple Love it. That is also fair. And love if it. anybody asks me, I'm like, well, I'm from the South. That's just how we say things around here. <laughs> you know, you deepen your Southern accent. It's the same thing with rural. And my mom. My mom can't say the word rural. It's hilarious. I don't know if you can either. <laughs> no, I can't. But I can yeah. say it better than her. She just says rural. 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 Yeah. She just... Rural. She barks like, like she's a car that's <laughs> stomping <laughs> So anyway, childbed fever. Um, pretty much any pregnancy or childbirth related illness could be marked as childbed fever. But in particular, it's it was usually the name given when something in- internal happened during childbirth that killed the mother afterwards. And in Mother Mary's case, the placenta broke and it became infected. And obviously, Ew. it's not like they can do anything about it. Yeah. Like they're they're still using pessiaries at this time, which is a little wooden or, if you're fancy, ivory stick that has a dip. So it's wide at the top. Think of like a, a pregnancy test sort of looking thing that's solid. Mm-hmm. And after you gave birth, they would use that to put all of your internal organs back in. So they just shove everything back up. Like, yeah, why not? Not putting anything in a place. Just, you know, let me just put put my it. hand up there and just, these belong inside your body. So that's just where we'll put them. Like an ignorant shopper at Walmart where you mm-hmm. got something from the food section and now you're in the crafts and you're like, you know yeah. what? I don't need this can of green beans. Uh, like, and they I don't need this end bag up of with the acrylic paints. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's a, that is a very apt analogy. I'm the king of the analogies. Apparently. I have never been more excited in my entire life to have been born in the 20th century. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because fuck all that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of it. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So, the Mary's placenta broke. It became infected. Obviously, they're not aware of that until after the birth when Mary does not recover, Mother Mary does not recover, she gets worse. Then they realize something's wrong. And at that point, they don't even have any medicine to fix her. Like the best thing they can give her at that point would have been laudanum, which is alcohol and opium mixed together. <laughs> laudanum was one of the most widely used medications. It was an over-the-counter was. thing. So of course. think of like going to Walmart and just picking up the monster 500 pack of 1000 milligram Advil and just mm-hmm. walking out with it. Mm-hmm. That's laudanum. Super easy to get. Um, actually, a lot of parents overdose their children accidentally by giving them too much laudanum when they were teething. So anyway, laudanum would have been the only thing that they could have given Mother Mary. And it's just a painkiller. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to do anything for the infection. So, Mother Mary died of septicemia 10 days after the birth of her second child. And that is the history of women until (laughs) today. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's not a ton better. It's been for like a long time. It's 
It's not a ton better. Flash but- forward to today, and we still got a bunch of old, wrinkly white dudes making the laws. Yeah. Old, wrinkly white dudes who have never seen a woman's vagina making decisions about it, quite frankly. We only have sex with the lights off. I don't know what my wife's <laughs> privates look like. I have diabetes. <laughs> I don't know okay, why I turned. I don't know why I turned every single living and dead U.S. senator and lawmaker into Wilford Brimley. Because that's how they talk. That's it's just more comfortable are. in my mind to yep. have all the old white crotchety men who'll die soon. Uh, and then we fingers crossed. I don't actively wish for death and actively wish for death on specific people, but when I do. It's, it's very on broad. the old, old-fashioned white dudes who make our laws. Oh, 100%. I actually was texting Amanda about somebody earlier today, and I was like, I hope she gets hit by a bus and dies. <laughs> so, Amen. I'm, I'm not going to take that back. <laughs> I genuinely wish this. But anyway, um, so now Daddy Dearest William Godwin is a single father of two. Mm-hmm. One of the children he did not father. Very much to his credit, though, the way he looked at it, he had two daughters. He had Good Fanny, for him. That's right? very advanced. And it was like for him. What do you expect of the the grandfather of anarchy, though? Like, he's clearly doing things That's that fair. are not of the norm. That's and fair. I love him for it. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask because obviously he goes against the grain, but at the same time, we're talking about a time period when um, when infant death and mothers dying from giving birth is i'm assuming astronomically high yes it's literally Uh, an everyday thing which um which obviously leads to the the situation of having a lot of single dads taking care of kids Mm -hmm. and i'm curious i mean we don't have to dive deep into this but this is more just me talking out loud oh yeah go for it um like how common was it for for this to be the situation where the dad steps in? Or is that why we hear tons of stories about orphanages? Because whenever the mom mom would die, the dad would be like, I don't have time to take care of this shit. I'll just send you to the orphanage. So there's, and that actually does keep the story moving on in a really wonderful way. So Excellent. I I'm glad that. I didn't just veer off into... <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so to... This incredibly high maternal death rate did two things. One, some men did step up and some men were significantly better, more involved, active fathers than Mm -hmm. society would normally have allowed them to be. Allowed? Yeah. (laughs) Men were supposed to work outside the home. Sure. Men men had the, um, there's a word for it. Men had their own sphere, though. It was outside the home. It was in the world of banking and finance and money and farming and everything like that. Women were only allowed to be vocal and act. Well, let me rephrase that. Socially accepted women were only allowed to be active and vocal inside the home. Mm -hmm. And there were were two separate spheres, which became a huge, huge thing in the women's rights movement in the 1850s and 60s. But Mary Shelley is going to die before any of that happens. The perfect poster woman of the women's rights movement dies like five five years before the movement starts. Mm-hmm. So, um, the other thing that happened, which is significantly more common, is the men said, "Fuck this, fuck them kids. This is not my job. This is not what I do. Let me go find some random woman to marry." 
and then she can raise them. Mm. And that is the much more common thing. I mean, women more frequently died from pregnancy-related issues. Men just died for every fucking reason. Salt. Yeah. Salt. Trees falling on you. The number of men who died because trees fell on them and then they left their 16-year-old child bride with four kids is insane. That is a very common cause of death for men, especially in the early settlement period of the U.S. Um, Men died of everything. Getting hit by trains, getting run over by horses, farm shit, sun, heat stroke. So It's it's a million ways to die in the West in London. All over the whole globe. (laughs) The whole globe. Yeah. So blended families were exceptionally common. Okay. um, Largely because you did need both of those people. The men were the money makers. The women would would make some money on their own, but it was to supplement their husband's fund. But their job was really the house and the kids. Right. So you needed those two puzzle pieces, basically. So typically when one person was widowed or divorced, they immediately found a new partner. And typically the new partner is not a love match. Which is the case here. (laughs) It's more of a business transaction? Yes. It is purely a marriage of convenience. Mm -hmm. Just, let's just ride it out till we're old enough to die. (laughs) So, um, but William, immediately after Mary Mother's death, he's like devastated. I mean, he's a single father of two now, and he throws himself into that. He takes Fanny in as his own. The phrasing of that. (laughs) He... Like, he just really steps up to that role, but he is so utterly broken by Mother Mary's death. You can tell he very, very truly loved her. So a year after her death, he published this long fucking title of a book, (laughs) Memoirs of the Author of a Vindication of the Rights of Women. (laughs) And this is a biography of Mother Mary's life. And he is just... This was his... Final, like in his mind when he was writing it, this is his final tribute. This is his grand I love you that will last through the ages. It is a complete, open, honest, adoring look at her whole life. And that's the problem. <laughs> because William is just like, yeah, I mean, obviously she had sex with all these dudes. Like she had she fucked so many dudes, you guys. She fucked everybody. And then she had this daughter. And then I met her and I fell in love and I loved her kid. And it's all so great. But, you know, she she also tried to commit suicide a couple of times in her life. And I feel like there's very much a time and a place for that sort of biography. But it was not 1798. Yeah, sure. no. That's not. Yeah. Mm. So, and then you got to think, Mary, who is 10 days old when her mother died, this book was the hot topic for yeah. years. There's not much else going on. It's pre-war 1812. <laughs> so, like, what are they, they going to talk about in England? How crazy King George is. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he was, we can talk about that, too. He was legit insane. There's, there are a lot of problems with King George III, which is actually why America won the revolution. But, like, whatever. <laughs> However it happened, it had to happen. But anyway. Yeah. So this book is like a big gossip thing for years. And that's Mary's childhood. Is everybody like, did you read that book? You know her sister's a bastard. <laughs> so, you know her mama hoe. 
I was going to say, so is this where the Yo Mama jokes like originated from? Because everybody knew her story and was like, hey, Mary, guess what? Yo Mama's a hoe. <laughs> Yo Mama fucks so many dudes. <laughs> that was the town crier's job. Like, hear ye, hear ye. Mary Wollstonecraft is a hoe. <laughs> she had so many men inside of her. How many men? <laughs> How many men did she have inside of her? I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Let's turn to page 56 and learn more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically how it was like. See more on page six. Yeah. Like, she's a... Did you see this passage? She does the weird stuff. She does lady on top. <laughs> you did lady on her back, didn't you, you freak? <laughs> so... Like, poor Mary has to grow up with everybody knowing everything about her mom's life, which she is not ashamed of. Mm-hmm. William is not ashamed of. So this is where, like, the reality show of the this situation is where kicks in. It, this is where the ship launches. Yeah. Um, this is season one. Yes. Oh. Uh, only four years later, William remarried. And again, that seems to be more of a necessity thing because he married the neighbor, Mary Jane. Mm. Fucking William. Again, he had a type. Mm-hmm. So there's Mary Shelley. There's Mother Mary. And now there's Mary Jane. She's going to be the last Mary that I introduced to the story. There actually are other Marys in the story, but this is already this is too many fucking Marys. <laughs> I need them to get a new name. Can somebody be Maria? Like, you can... Why Mary? Here's... Okay. Let me... <laughs> let me go ahead and preface this. One of the reasons I love history so much is that we have, without... Without even knowing it, we have this deep connection with our our ancestors. We feel all of the same emotions. We have the same drives. You know, all of love, hate, jealousy, anger are thousands of years old. And human psychology really hasn't changed that much over time. So I'm kind of wondering if maybe William had two wives named Mary so that if he fucked up and called the second wife the first wife's name, it's he fine wouldn't get in trouble. because it's the same name. Yeah, like as he a wasn't going to yell that. I yes, <laughs> this it is a distinct right. possibility. I mean, he didn't want to call out somebody else's name in bed. If the the mantra for men in this day and age, also which hasn't changed much, is yeah. a whole is a whole is a whole, then yes, uh, the idea of a man marrying someone that has the same name as their previous wife is not. It, to me, does not sound outside the realm of possibility. Well, you don't need to, like, get rid of any of the engraved wedding gifts from the first wedding. Right. Because she's still married. Your tattoo covered up. Right. Right. Love that for him. (laughs) Uh, So, the neighbor, Mary Jane. So, Mother Mary is basically going to be out of the story. So, now it's just Mary and Mary Jane. Mary Jane is the stepmother. And this trope of the evil stepmother is centuries old and is is very very true here okay mother mary was a dick according to mary and according actually according to all of the kids um so mary jane had never been married but she had two kids of her own she had a boy named charles and her golden child claire Mm. claire is unfortunately a much larger portion of the story than i originally thought that she was going to be um, but even Mary Jane's kids hated her. So I feel like that's, yeah. if you like look at 
descriptions, not physical descriptions, but people wrote about meeting Mary Jane and just what a fucking bitch she was. <laughs> like, you know, it's the 1700s. People are nice all the time. I mean, I've seen descriptions of Andrew, President Andrew Jackson's wife, Rachel, who would have been about five, in between five foot two and five foot five. And somewhere between 250 to 350 pounds. Oh, boy. Which was a lot for them. Yes. Especially considering the fact that her husband, who was not president at the time, but anyway, her husband, Andrew Jackson, was closer to six foot three to six foot five. And because of chronic illnesses and a whole bunch of other shit, he was like 130 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> so, like, very drastic differences. And people describe Rachel Jackson as beautiful on the inside <laughs> but when it came That's to mary jane profile. they were just like what a dick so i feel like for them to take that extra step and not even play nice mm -hmm. in published writings and newspaper articles about her and just that be like she was a real Fuck bitch. That bitch right so like they're gonna say she's a bitch but really they mean she was a she's fucked a up real bitch. bitch like, like cross the street if you see her yeah. don't look her in the eye <laughs> Mary even wrote later on in her life that her stepmother was a woman she shuddered to think of. Oof. And once Mary Jane and her two kids come in the house, then you've got Daddy Dearest William, Mary Jane, Mary Jane's two kids, Charles and Claire, Fanny and Mary. I had a lot of kids. None of them liked each other. <laughs> of, of course. course why they... would they? <laughs> yeah, like. It wouldn't be a reality show if they liked each other. Fanny and Mary both wrote about how absolutely fucking miserable they were because Mary Jane fucked everything up. And I, I do think part of it may have been like the, they're resentful of this woman who's come in and replaced their mother. The mother that Fanny knew, the mother that Mary never knew. But I don't think it helps that Mary Jane was who she was. So by the time Mary was 15... Daddy Dearest and Mary Jane had opened a print shop, but they sucked at it. And you got to keep in mind, these are debtor's prison days where if you owed a particular person too much money, they would throw you in jail mm -hmm. until you could get the money, which doesn't make sense because you get the money by not being in jail and going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're in jail and you've got to work off your debt, basically. William barely managed to stay out of debtor's prison. Like, his shit was fucked up all day, every day. Oof, I can relate to that. Yeah, right? Like, all three of us completely understand the crushing mm. debt. Yes. Um, Yay, student loans. Ugh. Biden tried. Hopefully he's still trying. Burn it all to the ground. Start all over. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so life at home was deeply stressful. Like, you know, we've all been in that situation where the the financial issues get to you and you get snippy and you start arguing with your partner who's also like not at their best because of this crushing financial situation but william and mary not only seemed to take it out on each other they took it out on the kids oh yeah it was fucking miserable in that household um but when she was 15 <clears throat> mary met this apparently very pretty man named percy Bishy Shelley. And she basically looked at him and was like, I'm going to get me that. <laughs> so Percy had come over. Percy was in love with William's political philosophy. 
and he wanted he came from an ex like balls ass rich family is the way i've written it in balls my notes. ass rich balls ass rich um he's his family came from an insane amount of money but percy was this little social justice warrior mm-hmm. in the 1700s so they cut him off they wanted nothing to do with him because he was trying to subvert the system that they had created and benefited from for hundreds of years like what the fuck are you doing you're gonna inherit all of this why are you trying to burn it to the ground right but percy had gone to visit william to just fangirl over the anarchy shit yeah and william was like thank you so much can i borrow some money (laughs) you got money for me and apparently mary walked in saw percy and was just like Mm. "Mm mm-hmm I want them short breeches. Das loins are on fire. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mine loins. You said it. Did you say this is when she's 15? Yes. Okay. Tip, totally T- normal. Typical marriage age, Very, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, depending. I'm going to say you only lived at like 30 at this time. Like 30 was like ancient if you were lucky, right? Mm, that So that's if you look at the average mortality. Mm. Yes. If you look at the average mortality, People tended to die in their 30s, but that was because so many infants died. Yeah. There were also, I mean, kind of happening at the same time um, and a little bit later, there were photographs taken during the American Civil War, so 1861 to 1865, of American Revolution veterans. So there, there were people who lived to well over 100 years old. Okay. There were also infants who died a couple hours yeah and they were marked as one day so that kind of throws it off yeah i think really and truly if you look at it the the life expectancy has lengthened a little over the last hundred years but typically you see people dying between 60 and 70 years old at this huh. point i always thought everybody was dead at like 30 no it was it's it's I mean, literally the average yeah i, I think because yeah, yeah. you you take the oldest it throws take it the off youngest. yeah as I mansplain what a fucking median is. Everything no, I'm, that I'm glad said. you're here for that because how would I use those words? who else would mansplain it? We don't. We're women. We can't mansplain things. I, I can't math with my silly brain. Oh my God, it might break a nail. <laughs> uh, I'm the fucking devil. <laughs> I'm here to do some devil shit. I'm here. You're, are you real? I'm as real as a donut, motherfucker. <laughs> You're going to make me snort laugh. It's, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that someone, <coughs> me, has snorted on the podcast. I have questions that I'm going to hold till we're not recording, um, which could be used as evidence in a future trial. Sure. Okay. So, <laughs> part of part of like the, the pull to get married so young, too, was to immediately start popping out babies. Mm-hmm. Because families were the cornerstone of society. Society would completely fall apart if women weren't popping out children and dying from it every couple of months. You got to feed the machine. Yeah. Is basically. So, uh, Percy was a little older. Not, I mean, when you're 15, everything is creepy older. But for the time, it was insanely normal. He was in his 20s. The timeline here is very tight. And if you miss the Jerry Springer show... (laughs) Sit down We're and get comfy. To- yes. So. Jerry. 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 <laughs> Jerry. You are not the father. That's different. It's more. Uh, actually, Percy oh, is yeah, the father that's... in all of these scenarios that are about to come oh, up. for Percy's him. always the dad. Uh, except for, you know what? Some things I'm Let's just keep... get into it. Yeah. So. All right. So. Timeline. 
1814. So Percy Shelley was married to a woman named Harriet. Okay. They had been married for a while. They had a couple of kids. Things went on the rocks. So in March of 1814, Percy and Harriet renewed their vows. They got remarried, right? They're in love. March of 1814. In May of 1814, he met Mary Shelley, or Mary Godwin. She was Mary Godwin at that point. He actually met Fanny first, and apparently he got the best of both worlds. Nice. As far as we know, we don't know that he and Fanny went all the way. Popping an ass open. (laughs) We don't know that he popped that ass open, but we don't know that he didn't pop that ass open either. We'll go ahead and safely assume that he did. He at least copped a feel. Yes. Based on what the family was ill about. Sure. Again, not totally abnormal to go through sisters. Um, I mean, if you look at current porn, everything is sisters or stepsisters <laughs> right? or stepbrothers. Well, depending on or... the state that you live in. Apparently, if you look at those Have maps, you looked like, at porn lately? Everything is sisters or stepsisters or stepbrothers or dad or stepmoms. And it's that. gross and I don't like it. Don't look at the titles of porn. Put a pin in that because we're going to come back to it. That <gasps> comes into this story as See, I knew well. I was on topic. Maybe, maybe love- this is the inception of a uh, future podcast episode. About Why is there so much stepsister porn? I for would the do the God, research for that. A trend. So, let's see. May, March of 1814, Percy and, Sh- Percy and Harriet renew their vows. May, he meets Fanny and Mary. And then says, never mind. At least feels Fanny up. I wonder bare, if he failed her Fanny. Bare minimum. He, I see what you he did there. touches Fanny's Fanny. <laughs> but then he sees Mary and he's like, mm. hold up. <laughs> She's not legal and I'm all about that. That's... That's what I want. Not Wait, that they had is my. I was going to say, were women ever <laughs> oh, like, oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> Percy and Mary say I love you to each other for the first time in June Ooh, of 1814. <laughs> this that's is quick. a very abbreviated timeline. That is, yeah, this, this part of the timeline, I'm going to move through so fast because it all happens over the course of a couple of months. Um, June is also likely when Mary lost her virginity to Percy in a church graveyard. Girl beautiful. after my own heart right mm-hmm. there. That's beautiful. I love that about That's amazing. I, yes, I don't hate that. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, go Mary. Get it, get it. Cemetery um, sex. Percy and Mary eloped to further Europe. Like, we're in America, so England is Europe, but they went to, like, Europe, Europe in July to get married. But he's still legally married. So it's a little bit of a problem (laughs) that they're going to have to resolve at a future date because they take a three-month trip around Europe to celebrate their elopement. Um, So part of the reason that Mary went, the main reason that Percy and Mary eloped was because things in the house had gotten so bad. The tension was bad. The fighting was bad. Her stepbrother, Charles, had already moved out and told the whole family to just all collectively go fuck themselves. <laughs> he was not going to have do. anything else to do with any of these motherfuckers. Love it. Good for him. Then Mary and Percy decide to run away, and they take golden child stepsister Claire with them. Why? 
Nobody knows. Claire is the tag along hoe. <laughs> <laughs> She's that third wheel that is always there. That you never actually want to be there, but she just happens to always be there and you can't get rid of her. I mean, it's I like think, syphilis. I think, She's always there. <laughs> I think both Percy and Mary were 100% into Claire being there. I, I don't think Claire forced her way into the trip. Okay. Okay. I think just based on my research and what I've read, Mary was just like, I'm getting the fuck up out of here. Who's going with me? Yeah. And Claire was like, yeah, but she's the golden child. So I'm like, if if it's bad enough that even the golden child who gets treated differently and better than everybody else, if she's ready to bounce, how bad is it? Yeah. Is my question. That's that's just a a testament to how terrible the living situation was. Yes. Come and be our third wheel on our honeymoon. Right. Like, oh, you guys are in love and you're going to get married. I want to (laughs) go. Who says that? First of all. Threesome. <laughs> Put a pin in that. <laughs> yes. Because, you know, it's also not uncommon uh, in this day and age is marrying your cousin. Okay, I can't say anything because, unfortunately, my You've married grandfather- a cousin? No. Okay. I've never okay. married my... I have never married my cousin. Never. I've never, never married... I've married a cousin of somebody else's, I'm sure. <laughs> but not my own. Um, I think we've all married someone else's cousin. My grandfather's first marriage was to his first cousin, though. Welcome to Pulaski, Tennessee. I mean... It is the South. If the Pickens are slim, then... I don't think the Pickens were slim. Okay, well... Well, okay, so also, to be fair, my mother describes her father as a hoe. Um, (laughs) She... She... The way she phrases it, he didn't cull the herd. He just laid down and let him come. Oh, cool. Dear All God. right. Back to Mary. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> Back to the honeymoon. Mary, again, Mary and Percy met day one, May 1814. By July, they are backpacking around Europe with her stepsister. They're married. And Mary is pregnant with, okay. with her first child. You know who else was pregnant? Claire. Harriet, the wife. <gasps> he impregnated this woman and then went and met a 15-year-old and then oh, impregnated her. Oh, boy. And we ain't done yet. <laughs> so, Mary, Harriet was pregnant before Percy and Mary got eloped. Let's say that. Before Percy and Mary eloped, Harriet was pregnant. I don't, we, we don't know that Percy knew that, though. Right. He probably did, let's be honest. But Mary's first pregnancy was absolutely horrible, as as some pregnancies are. And then if she's like, the hormones are getting to her, she kind of freaked out, basically, about the fact that her husband was married to somebody else also, and that the, the other person, the other woman, Harriet, was having a baby. And then they find out that Harriet has a baby boy, his, Percy's first son which Percy is over the moon about. He's so excited to have a boy. Oh, I've got a son. I've got an heir, whatever. Percy's family is also equally thrilled about (laughs) Percy having a boy because he's been cut out of the family, but now there's still an heir to the vast Shelley fortune Mm -hmm. and the the baronessy. So, but Mary's pissed because now she's got his baby too, but there's already a boy. And under English law, only the first son inherits jack shit. 
Yeah. The first son inherits everything. Everybody else gets to go fuck themselves. Right. Which is why such a large influx of people were leaving England around the same time and coming to the U.S. They were all second and third and fourth and twelfth oh. sons. The first sons stayed in England because they got the land, they got the they money, got everything. they got all the shit. Why would they leave if you had everybody everything. else left? Yeah. And they came to huh. America. So, and then Mary ends up having a girl, which again, under English law, she gets jack shit just right. because she was born with a vagina. Um, and fun fact, the Shelleys, Percy and Mary were poly. They were very polyamorous. I don't know. Well, okay. And after the, the birth of the child, Fanny came to visit them. So now you've got Percy, Mary, Fanny, and Claire hanging out together. Mary's just given birth. Fanny is there to be with her sister. They were super, super close. They'd had a fight before the trip, but they were super close. And um, like I said, they Mary and Shelley were poly. I don't know if Mary was super happy, though, when she found out that Percy was fucking both Fanny and Claire. Mm. <laughs> like, don't keep it in the family. You can be poly, but like, let's not. Don't fuck not, my sister and my sister. Not in the family. <laughs> like, fuck people outside of the family. Right. There's like, plenty of people. Go fuck them. It's weird. It's just weird. I it don't is, know. Yeah, no, that wouldn't that wouldn't fly. So. This, basically, just the start of a cult. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. It here. actually, it doesn't, it never goes to a religious cult. I'll say that. Right. But, so. It's, it's got the structure and backbones mm-hmm. of a cult minus the. Uh, minus the religious financial trappings. Right. But, I mean. Being uh, a fan of um, but, uh, the cults, no, the um, I was about to say anti-Semitism. That's not right. Anti- Don't be a anti- fan of anti-Semitism. Anti- not anti-Christ. Um, the anti what? What was it? The no government. The, the anarchy, anarchy movement. Anarchy. Thank you. I knew it started the with an A. Anti-anarchy movement. <laughs> I'm anti-anarchy. Just, yes. That's just called normal civilization. That's just normal. Yeah. That's just Anyways. people. <laughs> Yeah, I lost my point. Let's continue. Okay, so you've got these four people. And Mary's hormones had been awful this whole pregnancy. Like, it was a rough pregnancy. And then Harriet, who's still alive, like, has a baby, has a boy. And then Percy, it turns out, is fucking Fanny and Claire. And Mary is just having, like, the worst fucking time of her life. And then 13 days later, her baby dies. Oh, no. It was sick from birth. Um... They they knew from the beginning that the baby was not going to make it. Mm. So the baby lived to 13 days old. Fanny was there. Um, but because Fanny went to go see Mary and Percy, she got more shit at home. Because once, Fa- uh, once Mary and Percy had eloped, Daddy Dearest William Godwin said they can go fuck themselves they're not welcome in this home. They're never to be here. It was a huge scandal. It's a married man getting married to a 15-year-old girl and taking her across. It was a huge scandal. So William wrote them off like completely. Like the book that he wrote about his wife yeah, wasn't a scandal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that he wasn't it was the father okay of anarchy? It was okay to do that. All of that's a scandal, but not my daughter. My daughter has to be a pretty princess. Like, so, I mean, this. you got to think, like, this is around the time of the French Revolution. Way more people were into anarchy than you would think. Way more people were... So the anarchy thing, totally acceptable. Premarital sex? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's <laughs> slow this train down and get get right with God. Basically. Anarchy? Totally fine. Mm. So... 
Fanny was going to get more shit at home because she had gone to see the person that her parents had cut off. So Fanny's life is just getting worse and worse and worse, basically. Mary, um, Mary sends her home, basically. She, she kind of seems to admit, like, you're going to get some shit at home. You need to go handle that. We'll be okay. You know. So Mary and Percy are going to mourn the death of their baby. Fanny's going to go back home. She gets home and things are so bad that Fanny checks herself into a hotel and overdoses on laudanum. She commits suicide. Holy shit. She was not even 20. She would have been about, what, 18 or 19? So that's how bad home life was. Rather than go home and deal with her father, she committed suicide. Gotcha. (laughs) Percy and Mary get right back up on that pony. Mary almost immediately gets pregnant after the death of her daughter. And she actually, this one survives. She gives birth to a healthy baby boy named William in 1816, which is the year that we've all gathered here to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so right after William's birth, the family of three went to Geneva with stepsister, golden child, Claire, and her baby daddy, Lord Byron, the poet. She was pregnant by him at that point, had not given birth. So Claire is pregnant. It's widely assumed to be Lord Byron's anyway. And Lord Byron takes the kid from her after it's born. So we don't think it's Percy's. We don't. Okay. But it was May. They were in Sweden. And the weather sucked balls. Just rain. Rain and rain for days and days and days. And then you'd have a clear day that just sucked temperature wise. And then rain for days and days and days and days. This is the year without a summer. So Mm -hmm. do either of you want to talk about that? What you know about it or? Is is this the Via Diodati thing? What the fuck did you just say to me? (laughs) Don't ever talk to me like that. I, I wasn't sure if that's where uh, this part of the, the story came in, where it was like the collective group of people that included, I believe, Shelley and her husband, and mm, they yes. discussed the idea, uh, or they, they were going to collectively come up with a book idea. Roughly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. Beautifully. Uh, yeah. So, the, the Year Without a Summer... Literally, there was a year without a summer. Vian, thanks for coming to our podcast, everybody. <laughs> that was my TED Talk. <laughs> it was a great TED Talk. All right. So in Indonesia, there is a strato, an active stratovolcano. Probably going to mispronounce this. Uh, Mount Tambora sure. is what it looks like Sounds on paper. Good. So Mount Tambora currently today is only a little over 9,000 feet high because of the 1815 eruption. So it blew in 1815. It is still to date the largest, most destructive, most deadly volcanic eruption in recorded history. Wow. Really? And you got to think there was a Vesuvius that we talk about all the goddamn time. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we talk about this one? Mount Tambor is significantly worse. And I don't know why we don't talk about it. Racism. It's in Indonesia. I don't know. I can't Mm. explain it. Yeah, because uh, it wasn't a bunch of white people that were crushed by molten lava. There you go. I mean, lots of white people did die, but 
more brown people did. So I guess we don't talk about it. So um, history, folks. Welcome to history. We don't yes. talk about the. That's an awful. <laughs> These thing white to say. people are dangerous. Hundred <laughs> percent. Which is actually one of the first things, first pieces of life advice my parents ever gave me. <laughs> So, <laughs> love to see it in a Disney movie. Right, yeah. So, in 1815, almost 5,000 feet of the top of the mountain blew off. It was just gone. So, now it's it's much shorter than it used to be. That's pretty metal. Right? Metal is fun. Yeah. As much as 36 cubic miles of ash, pumice, and aerosols were pushed out into the atmosphere. It was so fucking much, it blocked out the sun, Jeez. basically. So 60 megatons of sulfur went out Ugh. into the air. Ugh, that's a stinky summer. Right, like, Ew. all of this is literal ass at this stage. So, so much gas and material was put out into the atmosphere that it really severely limited the amount of sunlight that reached the Earth. It also reduced the entire global temperature by five degrees. <laughs> like, this volcanic eruption was big enough that it fucked with the temperature of the globe. Jesus. 80,000 people died over the next couple of months from disease and famine. And in North America... We got really bad, heavy snow and deadly ice that lasted through August. Wow. And this was three years after the new Madrid fault line went off, which happened close to Memphis. Mm -hmm. It was felt in Canada. Mm -hmm. And it was a tiny fraction, as bad as Mount Tambora. And it was three years earlier but it, the New Madrid fault was so bad, it made it look like the Mississippi River was running backwards for several days. Yeah. Like, it fucked with everything. Yeah. Mount Tambor is significantly worse. But this is the weather pattern that's fucking with them in Geneva. That's why it's raining all the time. Because of this volcano, we have Frankenstein. <laughs> the end. Which is why history is We're done, amazing. <laughs> So... They're, these people are stuck in the house for days at a time. So it's technically, it's four adults and a baby. Little, little baby William, probably they stuck him in a corner somewhere. I don't really know. Childcare was not at its peak in 1816 is how I'm going to phrase it. Sure. Today it'd be called child abuse, but back then it was great parenting. So like, yeah. I don't know. But you've got Lord Byron and Claire who are, who are fucking and she's pregnant. Claire's probably also fucking Percy at the time Fair. we think question mark sure but you've got percy and mary and mary's just recovering from giving birth but they i mean they try to spend as much time outside as they can this is their little summer vacation right like they're going to the jersey shore bitch right and i mean they have to stay inside all the time because it's raining so they get really bored and one night lord byron said well they were all telling german ghost stories because they're way scarier in german quite frankly i mean yes. everything's scarier in german right we've discussed this on the boogeyman episode <laughs> that like germany is terrifying if you want a ghost story just learn about germany just yeah tell a story in german it can be <laughs> i went to the store and bought toilet paper today but if you tell it in german it's scary yes exactly so, there's that yeah so 
Lord Byron, after telling these ghost stories, Lord Byron issued the challenge that they should all write a ghost story and see who wrote the best one. And that's going to give them something to do for a couple of days because you got to write your story and then you hear everybody else's story and then you vote and it's a whole thing. And that's basically going to be their trip. Well, later on in the evening, they were discussing this crazy new sciencey thing called galvanism. And galvanism is electrical currents. Um, There's actually one of the sites I was using to do research is owleyes.org. That may be entirely mispronounced, but it looks like owleyes.org. Anyway, they say galvanism, quote, seeks to produce movement through applying electrical currents to deceased flesh. Interesting. And one of one of the group of four just popped off and was like, wouldn't that be crazy if like we reanimated a corpse with this new electricity thing? Like <laughs> wild. And there you go. Boom, Frankenstein. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Um, but so Mary Shelley said in a later version of the book that she had this waking dream. She described it as a waking dream. It's not exactly sleep paralysis, not more than a daydream, but less than a nightmare. Okay. Which if I ever start dating again, that's going to be on my Tinder. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be my line right there. But Um, She said she she was tossing and turning and she couldn't really settle to sleep, but she had this really clear mental image of what we think of as as Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. You know, she had this really clear mental image of a dead man on a table with someone hooking him up to some electricity and reanimating him. And that's that's really where all of that came out. Actually, I love science. Astronomers for a very long time were thirsty to figure out if this was actually true because she described the moonlight in a very particular way during her her waking nightmare um, or her waking dream that she had she described the moon and astronomers actually took the fucking time to go to switzerland's weather records and looked at when the moon would have been where on what day and what time, they fucking pinpointed. It was between 2 and 3 a.m. on June 16th, 1816, which was six days after they got there. So they hadn't even been in Geneva that long, and she was already like, Frankenstein, I'm going to write a book. So they did all that legwork just to figure out the like the exact moment when she had the idea? Yep. Honestly, I love science. If if I was in that position, if I was an astronomer and I had the financial backing, fuck it. Oh, absolutely. That's yeah, really somebody else's dying. Yeah. When Mary fucking Shelley had the idea for Frankenstein, because That's you really freaking have cool. to get a trip to Switzerland to I mean, go look at their records. Well, Darn. and it's Switzerland. So if you're already an astronomer, like you right. want to be in Switzerland anyway, exactly. because that's where all the astronomy shit is. Yeah, there's you not a ton of lights out there. You get the yeah. best nightlight. So. Frankenstein was really originally meant to be a short story, but Percy really encouraged her. He really wanted her to work on that. And so I'm not going to talk too much about the OG run of the book. I'm not, you know, I'll let you do all of that. Sure. Um, You do you, boo. Right. So the only thing I will say is since it was the OG was originally published anonymously, the, the OG run 
not very large, and it was published anonymously, but Percy wrote the dedication to his beloved father-in-law who fucking hated his guts, William Godwin. So everybody assumed that Percy Shelley was actually the author of Frankenstein. Mm. Um, By that point, well, so once the book was actually, once it was really written down, um, I don't know if it had quite gone to publication yet. I think it did. But anyway, Percy and Mary left Europe and went back to England. Claire was insanely pregnant. If we have time to dip into Claire's little side fucking Jerry Springer story, we can do that. But I know less about her because I wouldn't allow myself to go down that particular rabbit hole. I'm very proud of you because you do so many rabbit holes and so many tangents and so many other things that the fact that you didn't means that her life was really fucked up (laughs) and there's a lot to it because you didn't take the time to do it. So, I mean, if it tells you anything, her name from birth was Claire Claremont. Oh, it's the equivalent of like Will Williams. (laughs) His name is John Johnson. That's Claire Claremont. But anyway, Google her. She's amazing. Do what? I say kind of boring. Oh, I thought you said I'm horny. And I was like, I did not say that. No, that was a particular trigger for you, David. Okay. I I like really boring names. (laughs) I like a lot. Give me the most Caucasian name you can. I'm so right. <laughs> Jack Johnson. <laughs> boom. Hard as a rock. Instant erect. I assume that's what happens with y'all. Just like, boom, instant erection. Yeah. I don't know I how I mean, when you're 13. <laughs> how about when you're four? Like, I don't know. I don't know how men's junk works. Apparently, Percy's work just fine. But so. Obviously. Yeah. So. March of 1818, Percy and Mary move back to England with very pregnant Claire. Lord Byron is basically saying that baby don't look like me. That's not my baby. And then he changed his mind. So by 1818, Mary Shelley had already given birth to three children. Only one survived. So completely in line with the infant mortality of the day. Especially, particularly if she popped out like six more. Um, And part of the reason you had so many kids, first and foremost, was the inavailability of birth control. And second, it was to beat the odds. You have 10 kids, two live. You're successful. We're a big family. And then, of course, you had some people whose kids all survived. One of my ancestors had 22 children with his first wife before she gave out. And then he got a new one. We're reproductive people. Um, so I'm glad you decided to down. stop the line there. <laughs> yes, Jesus. I heard the ancestors say enough is enough. <laughs> so uh, Mary Shelley had given birth to three children. Clara, the first one we talked about. Also, she did name her first child Clara. Don't know where Claire comes in in there. But anyway, um, Clara died after 13 days. Then William was born. Then there was a third child who was also a girl who was also named Clara. They just kept recycling names till it finally took. In fairness, I think that's common for when you had that many because you're just like, whatever. How many many names am I supposed to be coming up with? Well, and I don't know if it was like honor the first one that died or doing this or, you know, whatever. But I've noticed throughout history and your storytelling, because that's the only place I get history from, is that that's a very common theme. Yes. 
hundred percent. Also, yeah. there's no baby name books. No, it's just <laughs> you're looking at the people around you. Like, your name's Greg. My name, my baby's name, Greg too. <laughs> yep, I got like six names to choose from. Um, really, in America in the 1840s, names completely opened up. Names got names were weird under the Puritans, boring from the American Revolution to the Oregon Trail. And ever since then, we've just been wild with these names. We need to tame it a little bit now because they're way too insane. And I need yep. to stop it. Go Rixed back to classical Ritalin. names. Find something new. Look in history books for names. Stop doing right. whatever new weird shit you're doing because you're yeah. fucking your children up. And I'm sorry, but they're going to hate their names. So Little Rixton and Little Ritalin. That's all I'm saying. Whole story to that. I don't know that I've told you that story. Uh, may, uh, I, maybe. <laughs> get into it later. So. The second Clara, the third child, died of dysentery at three oh. weeks old. Oh. And if you don't know dysentery, it's terrible poop death. Mm. It's chronic diarrhea until you die. Mm. Andrew Jackson had it for over 40 years. This oh, baby God. died after three weeks. Like, mm. um, Unfortunately for Mary, again, she's had three pregnancies and three live births, but one surviving child, William... William died of malaria the next year. So now she is zero kids. But she's pregnant again. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Uh, during this fourth pregnancy, Mary Shelley wrote a book called The Fields of Fancy. So this was her follow-up to Frankenstein, right? Okay. Like Frankenstein nah, wasn't widely loved at the time. Yet it's gonna get there, but during her lifetime, not so much. But oh, she's just so like, sad. yeah, I'm we be, I'm be in order for the appreciation of this book to come in, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to flash forward at least a hundred years. Yes, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I love. You said that. So the field of fancy is also known as Matilda, and like. Not like the Matilda you're thinking okay, of. Okay, thanks. I was like, no, that's Ronald Dahl. Not <laughs> like Roald Dahl that, that, that's the way, and yeah. like, like, the uh, like Danny DeVito. Girl. Yes, yeah. Danny DeVito makes no appearances in the field of fancy. <laughs> okay. Please, dear God. Um, because <laughs> the subject of the book is a father's deeply incestuous love for his daughter. <laughs> oh, Why God. not? So it's an episode of It's Always Sunny. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, that was written in 1819, and it was not published due to the subject matter until 1959. So we really did have to wait over 100 years for that shit to drop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so who looked at the, who found this book 100 and something years later and went, <laughs> we're publishing that? People who wanted money. Did they get it? Like, was it popular? Have you ever heard of it? No. <laughs> that's right, why that's, I was yeah. wondering. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'm well, going to go read it now. <laughs> we can talk next. When we do the whole like incest podcast, we can talk about it. <laughs> we can talk about how you right. felt Popular about incest. It. I am. I'm here oh, for God. it. We can do that. So that same year, Mary Shelley does. This is how we go viral, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Not for good reasons, but it'll get our podcast out Incest here. in the morning. I won't be on that episode. <laughs> From that Family Guy episode, where Weenie in the butt. Oh God! Oh dear! <laughs> they were throwing uh, or launching that. hot dogs at the at the sex worker. She's like, that one felt like my dad. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I, I oh, don't think Jesus! I, I watched it for that episode. 
Yeah. Aww. Family Guy would be wild. And anyways. Facts. So, just after that book is published, she gave birth to her fourth and last child, Percy Florence, who lives to adulthood, everybody. Oh. <gasps> Percy Yay. Florence makes it. Thank you. <sighs> but, okay, so. And then gets hit by a bus. <laughs> I think he dies of a old-ish age. That's good. So, like, 37. 29. Yeah, he's... <laughs> <laughs> the ripe old age old, of 18. Old. I think he was in his 50s. That's pretty Which good. was respectable yes. at yeah. that point. Like, you've seen some shit at that stage if you made it to your 50s. Three years after the birth of Percy Florence, Mary Shelley is pregnant again, but she has a miscarriage that nearly kills her. Like, it's bad. Percy has to put her in a bathtub of ice to keep her alive. Oh. She's bleeding so much. Oof. Oh. Yeah. So... That's the end of their baby making. Not because of the miscarriage, but because the next month after the miscarriage, Percy drowned. <gasps> oh, well, that was a shocking turn of events. Right? Like, reality TV. So he, they're, they're in Italy at this point, basically because Percy and Mary owed so much money to everybody that they just left they England. Fled. They, they fled. Yeah. And they went to Italy. He was sailing on a coast and the boat sank and he just fucking died. So now Mary is a 25 year old widow with a toddler. She's 25. It feels like this was 30 years. Right. 15 years have passed since she met Percy. Or not, 10 years. 10 years. I told y'all math was not my strong suit. (laughs) (laughs) You acted like I wasn't serious about that. 25 year old widow with a kid, super exceptionally common. Again. Yeah. Nobody yeah. would have been like, oh my God, you know, how are you going to make it? They're just going to be like, okay, we'll put on your big girl pants. Everybody does it. So, fun fact, and in my notes, I did put hashtag relationship goals. Mary kept Percy's burnt heart wrapped in silk. She carried it with her everywhere Wait, she. It what? I don't know why it was burnt. Let me just go ahead and put that out there. So I'm sure there's a reason. I so mean, maybe they he was recovered cremated. his body. They, they, yes, they recovered his body, or at least his heart. I don't really ever hear about what happens to his physical body, but Mary gets that heart out. All right. <laughs> I'm not sure why it's burnt. Like maybe he was being cremated. The heart is burnt. I don't know. We're maybe have to scorched. Look into this. Does it look like a? A bell pepper that you know, like you put it in the oven, right. you blister it a little bit, it. yeah, to, yeah, to make a good like fire roasted pepper sauce. Like or was it like sauce? the necrosis and they just look burnt because like the tissue looks? I don't even know. Like, how did she get the heart? She got the heart, and the heart was burnt, and she kept it wrapped in a piece of silk. She carried it with her everywhere she went for several years. And then after a couple years, she left it in her writing desk. So she carried she carried his heart with her. I mean, I love this about I that. Know, like, I, like this is amazing to me. Okay, so yes, give us some background from. Um, I, let's see. The website is Anna Mazzola. Um, that's a name, Anna Mazzola uh, dot dot com. 
Um, Snatch from the Flames. What's more odd is the way in which the heart was obtained in July 1822. Aged only 29, Percy drowned after his boat, Don Juan, was caught in a storm. Which How fucking appropriate for somebody who slung dick all over town. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, it just yeah, might as well just write penis on the boat with a Sharpie. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, Look at how big my dick is. Yeah. Uh, That's was, the name of my boat. Was caught in a storm. His body and those of his two sailing companions were found 10 days later. For complex reasons to do with burial reg- regulations, Percy's body had to be burnt on the beach in Viargo, v- Viareggio, uh, where he'd been temporarily buried. His friends, Byron, the poet Lee Hunt, and Captain Edward John Trelawney had a a portable crematorium built. Percy Mm. then had to be disinterred, uh, not a pretty job, and cremated. According to one of Trelawney's several contradictory accounts, quote, the fire was so fierce as to produce a white heat on the iron and to reduce its contents to gray ashes. The only portions that were not consumed were some fragments of bones, the jaw, and the skull. But what surprised us all was that the heart remained entire. In snatching this relic from the fiery furnace, my hand was severely burnt. So, uh, yeah, this Trelawney guy, the OG, he just, he's like, this heart's yeah. not burning. We gotta save the heart. Somebody like, take this it could out. could be the cure for cancer, so. Right? So, Keep in mind, the story may or may not be true, but I want it to be true. So just know that I'm presenting it as true because I want it to be that way, but it might not be that way. But So that makes sense. I mean, again, embalming did not come in at all until the very early years of the American Civil War. So early 1860s. So there's no embalming. He's going to fucking stink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, was he in the water for 10 days? Because gross, man, that's a... He's going to be bloated. Yeah. Splitting. I don't, I don't know. So, um, <clears throat> Mary loved him. She missed him real bad. Let's just... We'll just put yeah. that there. <laughs> so, she decided at that point, her career was going to be publishing her husband's writings and then her own. She was going to be an author, but she was also going to make money off of her husband's writings. At one point, they did get legally married, by the way. They were not legally married at first after Harriet committed suicide, which was a couple of weeks before Fanny committed suicide. Oh, wow. They could get legally remarried. Oh, also the son that Harriet had also died. So actually, Percy Florence ends up being the heir to the fortune. Wow. Wow fucked up story i love it so much so yeah, i i actually had that question at the top when mm. you introduced that percy already had a son from a previous marriage yes and that he would get all the stuff um I, in my mind i was like i wonder if he's gonna eat it at some point <laughs> in time <laughs> so i was just like mentally following you like you wonder if he's gonna eat all the stuff what <laughs> i I don't, I just pretend to be smart. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Harriet dies. The son dies. Percy dies. Everyone is dead. Fanny's dead. It's all happening. They're all dead. So at this point, it's really just Mary 
Mary and Percy. And Percy the son. And Daddy Dearest William. Okay. I don't know if Mary Jane is still in the picture. She's kind of not mentioned after after Mary leaves the house Fair. to elope. Everybody's just like, hey, Mary Jane. Yeah. Look at these. <laughs> um, so... And I'm sure David will say in 1823, the second edition of Frankenstein comes out and that is published by daddy, William Godwin. Um, He acknowledges her, Mary Shelley, as the author. And I don't know about sales for that book. Maybe David will talk about that. But the big, big thing for her is that same year, the play adaptation of Frankenstein comes to the English Opera House. Oh. Mary made exactly zero dollars in royalties. That sounds about right. She got right up the butt. Um, But people who saw the play and loved it wanted to read the book it was based on. Mm. So there was a huge uptick of book sales from that play. So even though she made nothing from the play, she did make some money from, um, from book sales. And around the same time, too, Percy's dad goes to Mary and says, since Percy died, I've been giving you $100 a year just, you know, for you, just to have some money. But if you continue to publish his works, I'm going to cancel that. And you won't get a fucking dime from us. And I feel like that does need to be put in perspective of the time. Because if you were to say, I won't give you $100 a year anymore, I think most people will be like, yeah, okay. That's fine. Did I miss it? <laughs> when was I getting $100 a year? That's not even my groceries. So my figures are going to be imperfect. And this is a call to the listeners. All right. If you guys have the data that I'm missing, or if you can do the math that I was not willing, able to do, <laughs> let us know. So I used American dollars because I apparently can't find the UK data. And in 1824, the average American artisan, so think blacksmith, uh, blue collar workers, blue collar workers, were paid an average daily wage of $1.55. Okay. If an artisan worked every single damn day of the year, because this is literally 100 years before labor reform, Mm -hmm. they would make $565.75 a year. So a hundred bucks is not bad. It's really not. Yeah. Laborers were paid an average of a dollar a day or 365 a year. And male agricultural workers, I don't really know why that needed to be broken out in the data that I was looking at because there was no column for female agricultural workers. It was just male agricultural workers, whatever. They made 40 cents a day. Tight. So $146 a year. So this could be somebody is like almost full salary for yes. a year if you take a hundred dollars away. Absolutely. Yeah. So adjusting for inflation to twenty twenty four, and again these are U.S. dollars and U.S. figures, and it's going to be different in the U.K. But I can't find that data, and if somebody has it, please send it to me because I'm literally dying on the inside. But adjusting for inflation, the artisan is going to bring home about eighteen thousand a year. So not a lot is changing mm-hmm. there in some aspects. <laughs> yeah. The labor is going to make eleven five, and the agricultural worker is going to get a whole $4,600 a year. So Mary Shelley was going to be bringing in today's equivalent of about fifteen grand. 
So it's not awful, but it's absolutely a respectable amount. Mm-hmm. That would have yeah. that figure alone would have made her very firmly upper middle class yeah. for a lot of people. So uh, again, I can't find the pound to dollar conversion rate for 1824. Whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah, so we're just going to go with that. So she stopped publishing his works. And in 1826, she published her last book, The Last Man. And that takes place in the year 2100. So it's dystopian, sci-fi, futuristic fiction. Interesting. Wow. Which is amazing. It was a, an incredibly wild departure from Frankenstein. And the main theme of the book is the parallel between her life and what's happening. So the book is called The Last Man. So I feel like you can pretty much guess what's fucking happening yeah. here. So you've got the main character who's Lionel... Richie. <laughs> Lionel Richie. He, um, he has feelings, I guess. I don't know. He sings about him. Um, Lionel Verney. I wanted to say Varney, but that's um, Jim, Jim Varney. Varney. Than, yeah, yeah, that's it's. Know what I mean, Vern? Yeah, we're not. We're not. This is not Ernest goes to camp. <laughs> Ernest goes to Switzerland. Unfortunately, um, Lionel Verney is the child of a poor nobleman, and another character, Adrian, the Earl of Windsor, is Percy, and Adrian is the son of the last King of England, and like so, this is semi semi autobiographical. Basically, everybody dies. Everybody leaves until it's just Lionel. And I'm not going to spoil the ending for you because you have to go read this book. It's actually, I hate sci-fi. It's so good. Okay. So go read it. The Last Man. It's not even have, a difficult title to what, remember. Was this a book you had already had read uh, by this point? Or? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were a, a freak of nature and were like, I'm just going to read this book real quick in a span of eight hours. I mean, um, she could. Yes. So it would not surprise me if her answer was yes, because she does do that shit. I did. How, uh, the book It by Stephen King, which yeah. is over a thousand pages. How long do you think it would take you to read that? Like, If it, you if, were into if it. If you cleared your schedule. like I mean, I have read it. Okay. Oh, I didn't um, know that about you. I read it early college days. Huh. So, I mean, I was in class and I was working, but it still took me like three weeks Okay. Wait, what? You were in college and working and you read a thousand page book in three weeks. I'm read, not a reader. Caveat. I'm not a okay. reader. So read, like that's. I read the original Gone with the Wind for the the first time I read it. It took me two weeks. I was in ninth grade. I just went home after school, did my homework. Read Gone with the Wind. I mean, three weeks is about how long it took me to get through the audio book. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's. Like it translates because you're reading it in your head. Yeah. And then somebody else is reading it to you. It takes about I'm three seeing my brain no. movies. <laughs> I read four times slower than an audiobook. Like I'm a very slow reader. Yeah, so that's like, why this I... blows my mind. Yeah. I can do yeah. that. I can read fast. Um well that the book series that I've been reading by this one particular author, there's somewhere between three and five hundred pages. And I told you I finished that one in twenty four hours. I'm in awe right now. I don't retain much. Okay, so let's just be honest. (laughs) That's part of the problem. I'm not reading for retention. I'm reading for enjoyment. Sure. So it goes into the memory bank. And then when I turn the page, burp, it's out. It happens. It's basically. Hmm. Um, I do not recall the length of The Last Man. 
it's probably a long ass book. Let's be honest. Just, we can all agree it. So back into it. So she publishes The Last Man in 1826. And that is her last fresh, you know, like new release. In 1851, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley died of what physicians believed was a brain tumor. Hmm. So back in 1839, she had started to get headaches and bouts of paralysis. And again, this is not the time period in history where you want to have something like a brain tumor. Yeah. It was 270 pages, by the way. Oh, that's not a long read. No. That's like, what, three hours? I mean, that's less than than Frankenstein. Yes. Which, I'll be honest, I did not enjoy reading Frankenstein. Yeah. (laughs) It was just like, oh my God. Which is like the the definition of irony, I guess. Right? (laughs) Us doing this episode. And it's not been a book I enjoyed. Yeah. Well, we'll get. Sorry, Mary. Don't haunt me. We'll get more into personal opinions uh, after we're done covering just the facts. Okay. The good news is we are a couple of sentences away from me being done. (gasps) Cool. Until I get sidetracked. I'm just kidding. So 1851, uh, physicians believe she had a brain tumor. And I mean, honestly, okay, sidetrack. Here we go. We're already. Um, We had already in the United States began attempting mastectomies for women with breast cancer. I'm sure that was going great. Well, there were no painkillers. Really and truly. I mean, there's they're going to get you drunk and they can give you laudanum, but we didn't even really have morphine yet. Morphine was a response Mm. to the popularity of laudanum. Um, There's no anesthesia. The woman was awake for the entire thing. And apparently it sucked balls. Same is true. Former president James K. Polk, when he was about 13, he had kidney stones that were so bad that the doctors had to operate. They shove something right up the little pee hole and then James K. Polk couldn't have kids, mm. but he was awake for the entire thing. Mm. I mean, they would, they did skull surgery with you awake. Any, okay, so anyway, Mary wanted to be buried with her parents. So son Percy, who is now a thriving adult with a family of his own, arranged to have mother Mary and daddy William moved to another cemetery. He had them relocated so that they could be with Mary where Mary wanted to be buried. So she was buried next to her parents and Percy lived on until the 1880s when Percy Florence, obviously Percy, the dad, been dead, Percy Florence, the son, he died in the 1880s. He was buried next to her and with his dad's heart. So interesting. I really like that. Holding the heart of his father. That's like that's really cool, amazing, right? Yeah, I literally made myself stop there because I felt like that was a good stopping point. Yeah, so that's excellent. Yeah, great job, yeah, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin Shelley. Go Mary Shelley, bitch, man. Let me tell you that. Who? Pregnancy. Oh, also fuck Mary Jane. I don't know her. (laughs) Yeah, when was the last dance for Mary Jane? Actually. Let's look this up. I'm going to say like 1990 something, according to Tom Petty. (laughs) See what you did there. 1841 was the last dance for Mary Jane Godwin. That's when that didn't come soon enough. Not according to her family. (laughs) Apparently the whole family, except for William, who was like, ooh, Mary Jane, I love her so much. Everybody else was 
told her to sit on it and twirl. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good fun way. Nope. Nope. <laughs> right. The end. Yay. I don't know if that's really the end. That's the end of me talking for right now. Fair. Right. All right. So thank you, Ashley, for all that info. I'm here for the tea. Yes. I will provide the historical tea. It's mm, old it, and moldy. <laughs> it was delicious, though. <laughs> and it gave me dysentery. Luckily, we have medicine for that now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to die of terrible poop death unless you really just actively choose that and in the United States in 2024. Yeah. Other you, countries, bets are off. You have a better chance of dying of dissing Terry. <laughs> like Terry Crews. And he just punches you bump. in the neck. Yes. Uh, I'm terrible. Fuck me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that concludes part one. Um, we're going to basically push pause and then start recording part two. But uh, for you, you guys, the listeners uh, or listener, will uh, those will probably be separated by a week or so. So anyways, uh, yeah. Thank- See you next time. Ho- yes. Hope you enjoyed uh, part two. Part one and part two will be coming up uh, soon for you guys. Bye. Okay, bye. bye.